When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Previewing the Fiesta Bowl and the college football playoff. Next on this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. There's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than a team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it, near Clark. Hey, 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 Brady gets terrific. Throws it, and a touchdown night again. Schultz. Just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Kohler at the five on his feet, touchdown Michigan! On his way, it's good! He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan, but Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play, pressure coming, sack! It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all of you. It's our final episode of 2022 when we speak again. Hopefully, it'll be on the brink of Michigan being in the national championship game, but we'll discuss that and more here in a moment. I just want to say again, because I've been saying this a lot recently, and I love saying it. These are shows, this is another show I never thought we were going to be doing. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing the MDEN Mish again, back-to-back Big Ten Champions t-shirt here that's got uh, a, the watermark on, of all the, the Big Ten Championship teams at the University of Michigan. What is this, Team 44 or 45? Uh, that's uh, won uh, a Big Ten title here at uh, the Victor's Valiant. And I'm just, I'm blown away that we're doing these shows. And don't get me wrong, man, I'm ecstatic Maybe even have an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. But um, I just, two years ago at this time, we were like, 
thank goodness that uh, COVID canceled the season. Uh, so we didn't have to continue with that humiliation any longer. Right? I mean, we have Brian Greasy tweeting out, enough is enough, where Jim Harbaugh is concerned. I mean, I think I tweeted out much worse, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Well, I said as much here on this show. And yet, this is, again, one of the most stunning turnarounds I have ever witnessed. Not just as a Michigan fan, but just in sports. I mean, this is a resurrection, really. I mean, this 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 program was dead. This head coach was out of juice. And yet, here we are. Last year, the National Coach of the Year. This year, the Big Ten Coach of the Year. And back in the college football playoff for the second year in a row. So let's get to the matchup against TCU. So I've watched a lot of TCU this year in another professional life. I used to own an Iowa State fan magazine. And so I've still kept up. I live here in the state of Iowa. We get Big Ten and Big 12 coverage year-round, which is really cool, actually. Uh, And so I still keep up on a lot of what's going on in the Big 12 and watched a lot of TCU football this year. And in terms of the kind of season they've had, they remind me a lot of our team last year. You know, just finding ways to win, like Michigan did on the road against Nebraska, for example, on the road against Penn State, for example. Just making that one play that they didn't make last year and the other team didn't make. They played a lot of one-score games this year. They came back in a lot of games this year. They, they remind me a lot of our team a year ago. The win total on our team a year ago was what? I think uh, seven and a half. The win total for TCU this year was like six and a half. The, the, I mean, we were the first team last year in the history of the college football playoff to be unranked in the AP poll at the beginning of the year and go on to make the college football playoff. TCU is the second team to do that. Um, you look at the the story really with with TCU, where you had a discarded quarterback in Max Duggan, uh, a guy that didn't even win the starting job coming out of camp, and he just you know won the Davey O'Brien Award and was a runner up for the Heisman Trophy. And then you have a guy in um, in Aiden Hutchinson who was very highly recruited but kind of forgotten about after uh, a terrible injury during the COVID year, and ends up having a dominant season. He's runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, there's a there's a lot of similarities in terms of the situations and circumstances here. Now, they didn't have an embattled coach. You have Sonny Dykes, who's a first-year head coach. But it, there's a lot of similarities between the, uh, the emergence and the rise of TCU 2022 with Michigan in 2021. The styles could not be much different. TCU is a classic Big 12 team. Defense is meh. Offense is yo. Um, and, and what I think I, I, I probably would compare them the most to Purdue. Uh, it's, you know, Sonny Dykes, it's an air raid system. They do have a thousand yard rusher though. They can run the football and he's more, he's a physical runner too. Um, but it's, it's a, it's an offense that has more big play potential. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, this is going to be the kind of a game where, unless Michigan really gets some turnovers and gets out to like a 21 to nothing kind of a lead, I don't think you're ever going to feel that TCU is out of it. That's assuming Michigan can even win because of the the style of offense they play. Uh, there's going to be a lot of arm punting in this game. Uh, TCU runs an offense that couldn't be much different than ours, not just in terms of scheme, but approach. You know, I mean, 
whether it was, why don't we just throw it up to Donovan Peoples-Jones? Why don't we just throw it up to Nico? Why don't we just throw it up to, you know, the guys on this year's team? We're not big into doing that. We don't do a kind of throw it up and, you know, watch the guy make a play. Uh, JJ did that with Colston Loveland in the Big Ten Championship game, and he did. He beat a double team, actually. He went up and got the ball for a touchdown. And I know a lot of us are like, wow, that's like the first time we've seen Michigan do that since what, Praylon Edwards, <laughs> maybe Junior Hemingway. It's not something Michigan does a lot of uh, in, in recent vintage. That's a lot of, though, the TCU offense. There's going to be a lot of, hey, throw it up, go get it. You know, I think our guys, particularly Quentin Johnson, might be a, a top five at minimum, top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I think he'll be the first wide receiver off the board in this year's NFL draft. Uh, and, and he's had a high ankle sprain for the last few weeks. He's going to get a few weeks to heal here. We're probably going to get the Quentin Johnson we saw earlier in the year that was just dusting people. And I do think because of the differences in the leagues, you do have to take a lot of the statistical stuff you're going to look at and throw it out. Right. I mean, the Big 12 is not as defense optional as it used to be, but it ain't the Big 10 either. Okay, And TCU has played no team that is going to bring the physicality uh, along both sides of the line of scrimmage that Michigan will, mainly because other than Georgia, no other team in the country does that. But it's just also something that's not done a lot in the Big 12, period. Secondly, Michigan has not faced an, audio, an, an offense a lot like TCU's. The, the, the closest would be Ohio State's, but I, I, you know, Max Duggan makes more plays out of the pocket than C.J. Stroud does. Uh, I think Quinton Johnson is at least equal to a, a Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's a different kind of receiver. Um, I think you know, in Marvin Harrison Jr., you have, like his father, a very precise route runner. And Quinton Johnson, it's just, you know, it's what I used to tweet watching Detroit Lions games when Calvin Johnson played here. Calvin Johnson is just better than you. Quinton Johnson's just better than you. He's bigger, faster, longer than you. So when he's even, he's leaving. Just throw it up to him. Um, You know, so Michigan's not played an offense a lot like this either. There's going to be dynamic playmakers all over the field. I I mean, I I like the over in the game quite a bit. I, I... I think Michigan's going to hit big plays in the running game early. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to have to wear them down. I think physically Michigan may maul them from the jump. On the other hand, I, I could see some scenarios on the back end where they throw the ball up and their guys are better, you know, than DJ Turner and Jamon Green and Will Johnson on that play. Remember, the corner has the disadvantage. The receiver doesn't have to be the, the better player 12 times. He can be the better player three out of 12 times, and that's three touchdowns, right? So I, I do think, you know, prepare yourself. I, I don't think this is going to be uh, a game where you're going to – I think it's going to look a lot more like Purdue where TCU in between the 20s is going to move the ball frequently. Red zone has not been strong for TCU. In fact, their red zone conversion percentage is way below Michigan's, and that may be where the game is won. Uh, I think that's where – Michigan gets in the red zone. It has the ability to lean on TCU all the more with that offensive front. And then especially when you add JJ's legs in the run game, which now that we're in the playoff, let it rip, you know, let the young man, let the thoroughbred, uh, let him, let him roll. And so I think adding that extra, that extra player that the defense has to account for, uh, I think that may be where the game is won. I think this will look like a pretty even game quite a bit. When, when they're battling between the 20s. Don't be surprised if TCU has well over 400 yards in this game of offense. But I think when we get inside the 20s and the, and the surface area truncates, 
and Michigan is able to move the line of scrimmage and TCU, not so much, that's probably going to be the difference in the game. Right now, I think I'm going to go with something along the lines of 37 to 28, um, 34, 27, uh, 36, 30, somewhere along the lines there with Michigan winning the game. Right around the point spread where it currently is, about seven and a half. I do think it will go a little bit over the total because I do think both teams' defenses are going to struggle at times to stop the other's offense. Um, so, I, I, but, but I also think that this is the TCU is they're happy to be here team, like we were last year. We had crossed a major threshold as a program by getting here for the first time. And TCU kind of feels like that team this time. And you can just see by the difference in the way Michigan celebrated the Big Ten Championship compared to a year ago that, I mean, they're on a mission uh, this year uh, to prove a point and to at the very least win the first playoff game in the history of the program. And, and this is a program that hasn't even won a major bowl game since 2011. That was the Brady Hoke season with Denard Robinson. So I think that mission will carry Michigan. I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I do think in the end, the team that is stronger along both sides of the line of scrimmage will end up winning in the end. And Michigan in a relatively high scoring game advances, I believe for the first time to the college football national championship. Does our good friend Mark Rogers agree? And if so, whom does he think Michigan will play? We'll get into that here next. Let's get the view from the other side of the scarlet and gray septic tank over there with our good friend Mark Rogers. Of course, you got to check out his channel right here on YouTube, The Voice of College Football. A ton of great content on the greatest sport in the world year-round, stringers, correspondents, Get a lot of great information, particularly in the offseason, when maybe you get ahead of some of the markets on some of those futures when they start coming out as early as January. Good to see you again, brother. How are you? Steve, doing well, waiting for bowl season, unlike a lot of college football nation that has dismissed it, but I still love the bowl season. I do too. These The games, by the way, they do huge ratings. I was listening to a podcast that was like, why in the world are they playing a game at Fenway Park at 1130? Because it's going to get a monster rating. And they don't, whoever shows up for the game is a bonus. It's the amount of ratings that these games, and you know from your years working at ESPN, they're a huge moneymaker from an advertising perspective. People are captive audiences, or they even have them on casually in the background for family gatherings. These things get a lot more uh, viewership than, say, pretty much any college basketball a game other than Duke, North Carolina, all season long in the regular season, right? You're basically reading from my script that I respond to viewers all the time. They just don't realize they look at those stadiums and they see them at 25% capacity mm-hmm. and they relate that to the interest in the game. And that's not where the interest lies. They're TV shows. And that's why your former employer bought most of them. Uh, because they wanted all those avails to sell for themselves. So don't hate the game, not the player, brother. All right, so let's get to the games, shall we? Uh, particularly the two playoff games. Let's start with the uh, Fiesta Bowl, uh, since it is Michigan podcast after all. And I kind of laid out my view of the game. I, you know, you know, from a past life, I used to own an Iowa State publication. I live in the Midwest and one of the few states that covers the Big Ten and the Big Twelve equally. I see a lot of Big Twelve football. I've watched a lot of TCU this year. Um, to me, they remind me of a more dynamic version of Purdue air raid offense. Uh, the quarterback doesn't have the uh, the touch of an Aiden McConnell, 
or Aiden O'Connell, I should say, but he's a far more dynamic athlete. You saw that against Kansas State where he willed them back into that Big 12 championship game more with his feet uh, than with his arm. Uh, they have uh, several big play receivers, none of them more so than Quinton Johnson, who's probably going to be at minimum a, a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Uh, and But a lot of their, unlike Purdue, which is fine matriculating the ball down the field, this is a big play offense. And there's going to be a lot of arm punting in this game. Uh, and th- there's going to be a lot of throw it up and our guys are better than you go and get it. I kind of warned Michigan fans, be prepared to see them moving the football a lot between the twenties. Um, I'd throw out a lot of the statistical analysis for, about the two teams because they play in conferences with dramatically different styles. So again, I think this will be more like Purdue. I think TC will end up with like well more than 400 yards in this game, provided Duggan remains healthy. But the one stat that did stand out to me that I do think applies in this matchup is TCU, for all of its offensive fireworks, I want to say it's like 78th or 80th in red zone conversion percentage. And if you look at what Michigan did against your team a few weeks ago, what it did against Purdue in the Big Ten championship game, it just realized, you know what, against you guys, we're not giving you anything easy. So we'll let you move the ball between the 20s. We'll get into the 20s where we can be a little bit more physical. Our defensive speed has less ground to cover. And we'll play kind of red zone roulette and see if you guys can convert in tighter spaces. Ohio State couldn't do it. Purdue settled for too many field goals. And I think that may be the difference in the game. Michigan's red zone conversion percentage is in the top 10 in the country now after that was a big struggle in the first half of the year. The the addition of J.J. McCarthy's legs adds that extra guy you have to account for now in the red zone. And I think that may be the difference, similar to what we saw in the Big Ten championship game. I think it'll be much closer than that. But I think think it's going to be something like 34-27, 36, uh, 30, somewhere in there. Uh, and I think Michigan's ability to create space physically in the red zone will be the difference in the game. Your thoughts? So pluses on the TCU side when they have the football is just exactly what you pointed out. They may want to take their shots from the 30 or 35-yard line and not get the ball down into the red zone where mix, Michigan can box them in and where they're not as comfortable. They're a big play offense. They want to get these guys in space, and they seem to check all the boxes in regards to guys that can threaten Michigan and Michigan's secondary. I know the Wolverines are very good in the secondary, but if any quarterback has time to throw, they can pick up a secondary. And Quinton Johnston, as you mentioned, is the most NFL-ready guy, the most dynamic guy. Uh, Jared Wiley's a guy that is more of a tight end body that could be effective in the in the red zone, even though I don't think that that's overall an, an advantage for TCU. I think, like you say, that that's Michigan's advantage in tight spaces, closed boxes in the red zone. And then this uh, Darius Davis, they get him out in space. And TCU, very much both offensively and looking at the skill position players, think of Ante Turpin from way back and think on the defensive side when we look at edge rushers, Outside linebackers, defensive backs are very much built in the Gary Patterson style of just elite athletes, quick twitch guys, speed merchants, but undersized. So on the TCU offensive side, those are the advantages that I like is that I do think that they uh, Michigan fans may not want to hear this. We'll have a speed advantage when they get those guys in space in the secondary, as most wide receivers do against secondaries. But Max Duggan, I don't know that he's not the best. He's got to be the best running quarterback Michigan has seen in quite some time and the most capable one since uh, Stetson Bennett and even beyond a Stetson Bennett. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa this year, Peyton Thorne come to mind as guys that can obviously 
uh, threaten a defense and will pick up a first down. But Max Duggan most most consistently as a power runner and a guy with deceptive speed is a real threat to this Michigan defense that they have not been able and had to account for uh, this season. Uh, This TCU offense also brings back 82% of its production from last year. And I know that they weren't very good last year, but I'm just speaking to the time together as a unit. They're cohesive. They know where they're supposed to be. They work well together. That's why they produced as well as they did. But again, the red zone, not great for TCU. Big advantage for Michigan. They're going to look to hit on big plays offensively. To me, I think these two teams actually remind me of each other a year ago. Um, You know, you didn't have the embattled coach in Jim Harbaugh. You have a a new coach here, Sonny Dykes. But, I mean, the circumstances of finding ways to win football games, um, you know, uh, close games they won on the road against Baylor, for example. Uh, you, you know, the way Michigan found a way to win on the road against Nebraska, against Kansas State last year. Uh, and and that getting here, crossing that threshold for the first time as a program, I mean, this is kind of a nutty trivia uh, question. Uh, who's the first college football team from Texas to make the college football playoffs? It's not Texas or Texas A&M, it's TCU. All right, so um, I, I think, you know, here you've got, the you know, a situation where now their guys are on the bank with circuit you know like our bunch of our guys were last year they're being fed it at a national level that they haven't seen as a program in a long time we were that team last last year at this time you could see michigan the way that it it, it celebrated the big 10 championship game it, there wasn't the euphoria of last year obviously they were very happy it's one of the main goals of the season but right away there was a hey um, we are here for a larger prize we're we're, we're here for a bigger mission this year. And so I, I do kind of sense that TC reminds me situationally of us a year ago. And, and now we're the team that kind of real, that, that it's really this game and the game maybe after that the last, you know, uh, 12 months of preparation was for, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would think that that uh, seems to fall into play of what logical thinking would be. Michigan was happy to be here last year. Maybe it showed against Georgia. Maybe it didn't. Maybe Georgia was just that good. Yeah, probably a little bit of both, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of both. I I don't think that Michigan loses that game by three scores. If they play 10 times, they don't lose it that badly on average. May not win it that many times, though, either. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that Georgia crew was serious. No question about that. But uh I don't know. TCU is talking a good game. They're talking a good game. Of course they are, that they're there to win a national championship. And I expect this to be a competitive football game. Uh, I also certainly read what the TCU players' body language and actually what they verbally said following the Big 12 championship game. They were still very down about that game, wanted to win a Big 12 championship, wanted to complete an undefeated season, even after they received the playoff berth. So I don't know how to read that. Of course, that's going to be weeks removed from this game and plenty of time to reset. I do think that they are not as deep a football team or as physically imposing as Michigan so this time off and especially for Max Duggan and the way he dragged himself or his teammates dragged him off the field after the Big 12 championship yeah. will certainly be in there yeah, that was Kurt Russell in the best big, years of our lives stuff is what he did in the uh the Big 12 championship game man yeah, I mean I, I don't know how anybody with like a T level above a, you know a half a point wasn't cheering that on that was just some grown-ass man kind of stuff in that game yeah that was that was uh fun to watch and, and you got to root for a guy like that 
Um, no question about that. But uh, certainly, so I, I don't know that this is a TCU advantage. I think that this is needed for them. Had they needed to get off the deck the very next Saturday and play, they would have been in serious trouble, which certainly if they get by Michigan, uh, may not uh, bode well for a championship game because I don't know if they have two of these games in them, but they, of course, have to face Michigan first and foremost. But uh, uh, on the on the other side of the football, uh, J.J. McCarthy, I know he's proven himself based on the win against Ohio State on the road, but has he really proven himself? I've seen a lot of people out there analyzing football games that they apparently didn't watch or didn't understand. I don't know that he, he's not going to be wowed by this moment. I'm not in any way questioning his poise, his gamesmanship, all of that, but just his sheer ability to throw when he needs to throw it to in, in tight coverages. I don't necessarily know that he proved that against Ohio State, so he's going to have to prove it, possibly have to prove it in this game. Not that Michigan should not come in with, I don't believe they need to be conservative on offense, but I believe that they need to stay with what they do well, be themselves, and then, you know, have the adjustments in their back pocket to spring on TCU if needed. But they should be able to play this straight and be the more dominant, imposing team on offense. So I I have a lot of respect for TCU. Um, I, I, when the line opened about nine and a half, I've, you know, if I had gotten to it before it dropped, I probably would have bet TCU just, especially with an offense like that, you know, when you're talking a two possession game, the idea of a, it's a two possession game at the end with that kind of an offense, you're screaming for a backdoor cover. Right. And we all know that it's, you know, Harbaugh doesn't feel the need to run it up unless he does. When he does, he does. But more often than not, you know, he's an NFL coach. There's a reason why almost all NFL games are eight points or less because they all play the same style. Get up by two scores, settle back, let them take a lot of time scoring to cover, and then just get out of there with a W, right? So I thought at nine and a half, that was a game screaming a backdoor cover. Uh, But I have a lot of respect for them. I think the spread's probably closer to right now, which is where it is about seven or seven and a half. And, And I think that they will give us problems on the outside for sure, based on what I saw. I just think in the end, you know, unless you have an outlier for, for both teams, which would be, you know, a minus three turnover game. Neither one of them's really been that kind of a team this year, especially Michigan. But minus that, I just think in the end, the physicality Michigan's going to provide on both sides of the line of scrimmage, the, the waves of players. I mean, Michigan go nine or ten deep on the offensive line. You know, it can go nine or ten deep on the defensive line. And they just don't have that in the Big 12. And they just don't. And I think in the end, that over the course of three to four hours probably ends up deciding the game. But what are your thoughts? The yak yardage for one Donovan Edwards has been mighty impressive the last two times out. And it may be once again, very impressive unless TCU is ready to roll and really swarm to the football. So they're going to have to gang tackle because he's not going to be brought down very often by one defender, even though they've got those lean, very athletic players in space that are good for what they're good for uh, in the passing game to rush the passer, to do various things sideline to sideline. But when you run it right at them with superior athletes or like athletes that are also heavier, uh, then that could be a problem for TCU. And I expect that to be a problem. And that's why I'm advising not that they need to listen to me, uh, Michigan, not to play any game that is outside of what they do each and every 
week uh, to stay with their identity and do what they do well. So do we both have a lot of respect for TCU, but in the end think Michigan's probably too physical and moves on? Yes. All right, so let's talk then in the time we have left about the other game, Ohio State against Georgia. And and I, w- I don't want to be the opposite of what I kept warning your fan base about all last year. You know, you get these internet fan message board, Twitter tropes, you know. Last year on the Buckeye side, it was the entire Michigan team was made up of 17th-year COVID seniors, and we were going back to, uh, you know, red sh- a redshirt freshman lineup, okay? So on the Michigan side, the entire trope storyline is uh, even Ohio State players are going to sit out the playoff game. C.J. Stroud's thing. Was there ever anything to any of that stuff at all, at all? I don't think there was any anything uh, valid to it uh there was certainly there there's reason to be concerned about the mindset of this football team to to have to reset after the big disappointment against michigan uh, depending on the individual player them conceding that their season's over and they're going to bypass a bowl game or even if they're going to participate in the bowl game it's going to be what it is and not that meaningful to them so I know who Georgia is. I know that they're going to show up. I know that they're going to be laser focused, that they're going to be confident. They've been through this gauntlet and they made it through and won a championship. So they are an ironclad lock from the standpoint of not a prediction or a game result, but in terms of who they're going to be when they show up at kickoff. Ohio State is the biggest of the four teams as a wild card in my mind, uh, in terms of confidence, in terms of focus, in terms of chemistry, leadership, I believe that they'll put an effort out there as best they can. But I I didn't like what I saw against Michigan in the second half, and I don't know how much that carries over. I believe that they're capable. If they play at their very best, they could still obviously lose this game. They have to be at their very best. Uh, not that they have to be perfect. They're not going to play a perfect game. Nor I do hate they that analysis because there's no such thing as a perfect game. That's dumb <laughs> no analysis. Yeah. They're going to commit a – somebody's going to drop a pass. Somebody's going to miss a block. Somebody's going to commit a penalty. Exactly. Can't, can't play a perfect game, won't play a perfect game, could still walk out a winner. Uh, but they have to be tight and they have to be strong and they have to throw out an A game. If Georgia throws out their A game, they probably lose. But this could be a colossal classic matchup if they both – uh, if Ohio State matches their intensity and their focus, if they don't, you know, they may lose this game by four touchdowns. I think this is a big game, Mark, in terms of the immediate direction of the Ohio State program. Now, when I say that, keep in mind, I mean, the, the, the Ohio State's had one non-winning season pretty much since Woody Hayes won his first national title in the mid-50s. And it was a year they had an interim coach, and then it was the first year under John Cooper, and that's it. OK, so this has been they've had so they've had two down years in 65 years and no down eras. So this has been the most consistent achieving program in this sport post World War Two. All right. Or yeah, post 1950, we'll say. OK, so when I say I'm not talking falling off the map, I'm talking about can they stay in that top three or four tier that they've been in for the last, you know, since Urban's, you know, reestablished the program. And here's why. You're playing the exact same team you just got your ass kicked by. But it's a team that recruits at the level you do. All right? So it's a team that recruits at the level that you do, but plays the exact kind of in-your-face, beat your punch you in the mouth bully ball that the team that just what your your chief rival that's kicked your ass the last two years plays. And you're playing with house money, 
no pressure on you at all, man. When was the last time Ohio State football went into a game with no pressure on them? It's been a minute, all right? You and I talked all season how there was like no pressure on Michigan as a defending champion. Everybody just assumed it was a joke. It was an outlier. We got to play the disrespect card as the defending champion. We got to play that, okay? Ohio State is in that role for the first time in many years. Maybe the, maybe the semifinal against Alabama, really, was the last time when Ezekiel Elliott ran wild. So we're going back to the year they won it in 2014, almost a decade. It's been almost a decade since Ohio State had no real pressure on them in a game. You're playing with house money. You got a second wind. You're playing the exact same style that you just prepared for all season long against Michigan. So you know what will work and what does not. If they don't play well, if they get ran off the field, what's the winner like in Buckeye Nation? The winter is much like what the last month has been like. Uh, Because even though I get your point about no pressure, I still think within the state within that campus, within that building, there is high pressure to perform in this game. So for all the reasons you decided, they should be able to play with house money and let it fly and let it go. But I think that there is enormous pressure because this season will be uh, an utter failure with a playoff loss, uh, especially if it gets embarrassing. Uh, so I, I think that this team and this program and Ryan Day in particular feel a lot of pressure. Hmm. Well, you're, you're talking out of my talking me out of my wounded animal analysis because, you know, I'm kind of thinking Ohio State might be a good play here. You know, backed into a corner, everybody's this- dissing this program. Everybody is questioning their toughness, even their own fans, even their own alumni on radio shows. Okay, I mean. I guess, you know, I would think as a Michigan fan, I, I know I made I talked about it, but I kind of joked about it too. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, Ohio State guys saying on the radio, maybe we should play all college football games in domes. The head coach or the, I'm sorry, the athletic director talking about if we get to host playoff games, we're going to, you know, play them at Ford Field or something and not at, uh, uh, not at the horseshoe. I mean, that just doesn't sound like Ohio State to me, bruh. That, that's, not, that's not Woody Hayes out there in short sleeves. That, that ain't Jim Tressel in a sweater vest, man, grinding you into frickin' powder dust or, or, or Urban Meyer deciding not to go for 70 points against Jim Harbaugh when he could have. All right? That, that doesn't sound like a lot. That sounds, frankly, like Purdue, frankly. Okay, so I kind of think that this is, you know, some, this is where pride comes in for such a venerable program, but you seem to be talking me out of that. What I'm talking you out of, and I think you can relate to this as a Michigan guy, but not completely because Michigan hasn't achieved or stayed on this level Mm -hmm. until recently is that playing all these other 11 games, nobody gets happy. Nobody celebrates, nobody cares, nobody, anything. It's just a given check, 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 Penn state check means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. Or the 11. Okay. Now we put all this pressure on for the one game. Well, they've navigated it and they pulled through. Well, a lot of those Michigan teams and Michigan programs of other coaches were not up to the challenge. So many of those were gimmies and buys uh, and they pulled through on the few that they were challenged. But now things have changed. So now the, the weight of the world is on them after they failed 
in that assignment that is the assignment, they get a second chance. But man, this is about the worst possible matchup yeah. just in terms of level of ability and talent and the teams that that's won the championship. So they know they can do it. They're supremely confident. And Ohio State's got to take them down. Hmm. Hmm. All right, give me a prediction. What do you think happens in the Peach okay. Bowl? This is not the final prediction because I'm a late uh, late to the party when it comes to making predictions. I'll say Georgia wins 41-30. Michigan wins 34-23. Hmm. All right, man. Good stuff. Hey, we don't we won't see you again until January. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and yours, and appreciate your contribution on here. Uh, whenever you're able to give us some time, Mark. Thank you, man. You have a great channel. Appreciate your time, brother. God bless. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate it. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, who do you think wins the Fiesta Bowl? There's just a skosh of confidence in our audience. 90% of you, that's a little high. TCU's got much more than a 10% chance to win, probably more in the 30% chance. But um, 90% of you believe Michigan wins the Fiesta Bowl. Last time the Wolverines played in this game, actually the only other time, Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback, 1986 against Nebraska. Michigan won that game, and Jim Harbaugh returning to the Valley of the Sun out there in Arizona. And y'all, many, most of you, anyway, almost all of you, anyway, think that he is going to win the game again, this time against TCU. And that brings us to our feedback of the week. Matt Maddox, I think, summarizes what absolutely everyone within the sound of my voice with a cotton pick and maize and blue heart, as Bob Eufer used to say, is hoping, if not thinking. We're going to end the season 15-0. and 0. Well, it's already the first Michigan team in the glorious annals of this program to go 13-0. If it wins on New Year's Eve, it'll be the first team to go 14-0. And at that point, you got to start talking about where does it rank among the greatest teams ever, like 97. Um, you, you talk about the Mad Magicians post-World War II, the point-a-minute teams. And if it goes 15-0, then I think you can make an absolute case this would be the greatest Michigan football team of all time. And when you look at nobody's got more Big Ten championships, nobody has more All-Americans. I mean, that, that is some rarefied air right there. I mean, that's, that's an even better Christmas gift than the Jelly of the Month Club. That's the gift that does absolutely keep on giving all the year long. All right? So um, I, let's hope we're there. Let's hope when we come back the week of January 9th, we're talking about the national championship game at SoFi Stadium in L.A. Until then, again, let me wish all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hope you have a great holiday season. Hope you also have an opportunity to like, rate, share, subscribe, five-star review with all the Michigan fans you know to help them find our show so we can also find them as well. And you can find us on Twitter in between episodes uh, to find out what we think about all things maize and blue. If you follow us at Michigan podcast on Twitter, once more, that's at Michigan podcast on Twitter until 2023. I'm Steve Dace. Go blue.